Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Good morning, Hope Church. How are you guys doing? They're doing okay. How are you guys over here? Y'all good? Still sleeping? Didn't get enough coffee? The coffee probably ran out. These guys tend to get here a little early, and so they get all the coffee, and then you guys are, well, I guess. I don't know. That's just my guess this morning. My name is Daniel. I know we were expecting Christian uh, to be up here this morning, but we had a scheduling conflict. So I am today, and you will get the grace of Mr. Christian Thrillkill next week. I can't wait. Don't miss it. It's going to be fantastic. So check that out. Next week, I am the young adults pastor here. I hang out with the 18 to 25, 26, 40-year-olds. I, I don't really care how old you are. Just come hang out with us. We'd love to be uh, with you and see all that God's doing in your life. Um, if you haven't met me or don't know me, I've got three uh, little boys, uh, Andy, Jones, and Oliver. They are extremely loud and crazy and wild, and they make it, they're guaranteed to make it into every sermon I ever give. So that's, uh, that's that, but we do have one more on the way. That's exciting. Yeah, due, uh, due in January. Uh, so we are going to wait and find out at delivery if it's a boy or a girl. So we are uh, excited to see uh, what we're going to have and appreciate and covet your prayers through that process. So, um, but before we get going too much further into our, um, this installment of prayer, uh, I want to go ahead and give us a prayer. I wrote this prayer last night, um, so I am going to read it. So if it's awkward, I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, I wanted to try and embody what we're talking about today uh, for you prior to us jumping in and talking about this uh, together. So let's pray. Father, you are mighty and holy. At this very moment, while you hear our prayers, you hear our worship, the angels are surrounding you and singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Would you impress that image on our minds while we shrink and you increase? For John 3.30 says he must increase and I must decrease. This morning we submit our lives to you, not in some insignificant way, but in its entirety. We lay our biases down before you. We lay our will down. We lay our way down. We lay our lives down as a living sacrifice. This is our true and proper worship. We ask, Lord, that you would shape and mold our minds and hearts into the image of your son, Jesus. 
It is through this renewal of our minds that you tell us to test and approve what God's will is. For it is good, pleasing, and perfect. Father, soften our hearts this morning to be the good soil that Jesus speaks of in the parable of the sower. We desire in our heart of hearts for the seed to take root in our life and produce a yield 100-fold. Help us to let go of the weeds of culture that choke us out, that we may hold fast to the vine which we have been grafted into, namely Jesus. Let us bow before you this morning. Bring life where there is death. Reanimate dead bones this morning. Make a way where there is no way. And do all of this for your glory, according to your word. Help us, Father. It's for your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. It was really interesting studying for, for this message because I've, I've said this before up here to you and to many people in my personal life and just I've commented on this many times. Prayer, the concept of prayer, the idea of prayer is I find it odd and I find it strange and somewhat mystical. Um, sometimes it can feel like our, our prayers... Uh, hit the ceiling and they just bounce back to us or maybe if you're outside they they go off into the void or uh, as my I think it was my mom said yesterday they just get uploaded to the cloud and they're just there somewhere um, but <laughs> the it, it can feel so strange it can feel so strange to pray especially in in our day to day, 2,000 years after Jesus' resurrection, where it seems like each and every year, faith, God, Jesus becomes more and more invisible to us. It becomes further, we become uh, more ingrained in our own culture, whether consciously or subconsciously, and we let go of um, this connection to the historical figure of Jesus. And So, prayer, 2,000 years post-resurrection, can just have this this odd um, cadence to it, especially if it it feels like it's something that you're just supposed to do. If you pray before a meal or before the service, or if you pray um, at night before bed, like like we do or try to do with our boys, um, it can become repetitious and it can lose its power and it can lose its connection to reality. And so it's important to note that for this sermon this morning, I'm not claiming to be an expert on this because I'm I'm really awful at it. I'm really awful at prayer in general and prayer life. Um, it's just something that has always some it's always been something that I've wanted um, but it's not been something that I've ever really tapped tapped into at a really deep level. And so 
I know that I'm not the only person that's ever felt awkward during a prayer. If you, if you have ever felt awkward during prayer, whether it's by yourself in a group of people, sometime raise your hand. I want to see them, like everybody. And if your hand's not up, well, you've probably just never prayed then. Or, <laughs> or maybe, maybe you were born on the altar, they splashed you with holy water, baptized you, and your first word was, Jesus loves me, right there in church. Like that, maybe that was you, and that's fine. Um, yay, I want to be like you if that is, if that is your story. But the reality is that we don't, we don't have that, especially, especially in our post-Christian world that we live in today, um, because it's rapidly declining, and our world is not identifying as Christian nearly as often or nearly as much as just 20, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so, <clears throat> the Bible is extremely important in our prayer life. And a connection with Jesus is extremely important in our prayer life. And so in the book of Hebrews, we see uh, that it tells us that um, it says, in the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John, or not John, John didn't write Hebrews. That's my own little thing. Paul may, may have written it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the book of Hebrews is introducing Jesus, and it's it's really an interesting an interesting idea that Jesus is the Word, and when we see the Word connected to us, we have something that we call the Word. It's probably maybe maybe you have a physical one, or maybe you have it on your device, or maybe you just downloaded it from the cloud to your memory bank. And so we have this revelation of the Word that was given to us in a written form that's been translated into what we have today. And there are many, many English translations and paraphrases and ways to get your hand on what God would have spoken to us and to his people. And so the, that begs the question then as to... If the Bible is extremely important in our prayer life, if the Bible is extremely important for our faith journey, if it knowing the Scripture is something that can impact the way we pray, and it can impact the way we live life, and it can impact the way that we treat other people, and it is a historical document, why is it so important and what can we get from it? And so, I've got 10, 10, we'll get through them quick, although, I don't know, hopefully you packed a lunch. But we've got 10, we've got 10 points to get through, and that's just the intro, and then there's like six or seven more pages. So, the, if you throw the first slide up there, the, the Bible brings us a lot of things, and one of those is the character of God. It introduces us to the character of of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, we see it says that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And that's talking about 
Jesus. And so if Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God, and he is the word, and the word in the beginning was there, and then it was with God, and it was God, then Jesus is central to getting to know the character of God. And that is something that's connected back to our prayer life through the scriptures. So the Bible reveals to us God's character. There are many things that claim to have the character of God, but none of them have the authority to do that other than the scripture. Only the scripture has the authority to claim to give us the characteristics of God. Ephesians chapter 5 shows us that we are to be imitators of God. Um, It says in chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. So we are to be imitators of Jesus. We are to be imitators of God, and that is something that the Scripture explicitly teaches. Uh, I'm not sure there are many other religions that teach that there's a central person to be imitated. There are higher powers to look out for, to live up to, but no central figure to imitate, which is interesting and cool and good. And this water is really good too. So it also gives us, have you ever felt like you were in a rut? Ever felt like you didn't know what to do next? You ever felt like there was something that you were, you were on the precipice, or you thought maybe maybe you're in your career, you feel like you've reached the pinnacle, and there's there's nothing left. You're you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or something like that. I don't know, but you've reached like this pinnacle in career. You've you've completed your family. You've uh, gotten the house, the boat, the RV, the lake house, the cabin, and you've got everything you could ever want here on earth. And you're looking for, like, well, what's the next step? What's the next step? And Psalm uh, is a fantastic book. Look no other than the chapter uh, that's listed there, 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. I think it's 176 verses or something like that. Um, but we see in Psalm 119 that it instructs us clearly that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Who's the word? Say Jesus. There you go. I learned that from Mark. Um, So Jesus is the lamp to our path. He is the guide for our feet. Christ is all through Scripture. He is the guide for our path. So the scripture also brings us joy. Now, I think I've mentioned this before, but is there some anybody in here and if you're a if you are a lawyer, cool, maybe that's you. But is anybody in here that like goes home at night and reads the Georgia State Penal Code for for joy and pleasure? Anybody? No. No one does that. No one does that, right? But the Bible is full of God's laws. It's full of God's commandments. It, and David talks about this in Psalm. He opens up the book of Psalm by saying, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, 
His joy is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. It goes on to say, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all he does, he prospers. Why? Because he finds joy and delights in the law. So everybody should go read Georgia section 8443 tonight. Um, no, don't do that. I don't even know what that is, so yeah. Um, but the law of the Lord is important. It brings forth joy in our life. It doesn't say that following your feelings, doing what you think is right in your own sight brings forth joy. It says that doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord and seeking His way is what brings forth joy in your life. We live in a culture today <laughs> that says my way is right. We live in a culture that sacrifices so much on the altar of self. So much. Now that could be like a five-week sermon series in and of itself. But we are caught up in the middle of a culture. If you turn the news on one time, I don't recommend that either. But if you look at that one time, you will see that our world is rampant with people who make decisions and decide about what they're going to do because it's what gratifies them. And it's really scary. It's really scary to think that if everybody only does what's good in their own sight, it doesn't benefit anybody as a whole. And the scripture calls us to live the way of the Lord, for that is what will bring about pure and true joy to the people of God. It also helps us guard against sin. We'll go back to the longest chapter here in, in the Bible. Chapter 119 from Psalm, verse 9 through 11 says this. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. <laughs> so that's my plug for scripture memorization there is that, you know, if we can commit it to our heart, if we can be familiar enough with it, that when we are confronted with circumstance, we're confronted with decision, uh, we can have that in our heart already to help guide and direct our path. Because what guides the, and directs our path? Say the word. The, the word. It didn't work as well at the time, but it's okay. The the word is what is the lamp to our path. And so if we have it in our hearts at all times, then we can be assured that each step is illuminated by Jesus. And that's what, what's what all of us need, need the most. So point six should be next up there. Um, truth. John... John chapter 17, 
tells us clearly, and I know this is a circular argument, but it tells us clearly that what we have in the Scripture is true. It says this in John 17, Sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. And so the Bible is full of ideas that can seem countercultural. They can seem um, like we're going in a different direction than maybe the rest of the world. And that's because we are pursuing as Christians the truth. We are pursuing a direction that is in alignment with God and not in alignment with self. So the Bible is true. We also have hope. And I picked this from 1 Corinthians 13 because I know, I know that that's like everybody in here that's married probably had that read at your wedding maybe. But 1 Corinthians 13 is like the love is kind, love is patient, yeah, all, the, all that stuff. And, and it is. And it's great and wonderful. But I wanted to look at the hope that comes afterwards. Because it says faith, hope, and love at the end of that. And so hope in verse 12 from verse Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, meaning after, uh, after the consummation of all things, we will see face to face. Now we see in part, but then we will know fully. And so it's pointing to whatever circumstance that you have in life, whatever issue you might have going on right now, it is it pales in comparison to the glory. That's what Paul says. Is like any struggle or strife or thing that you have today, it pales in comparison to the future glory that we will obtain as people of God. So that's... That's really important. It also points out to community. And in Hebrews 10, it says uh, this, um, let, us, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. And so this congregation that we pull together every Sunday and do, we do this thing that we call church here, there's... There's that. There's also small groups that meet throughout the week. Uh, we've got one that's meeting right after church today. We're going to the pool. It's going to be great. But we're going to be together in the name of Jesus. And uh, that's, that's exciting. And I know there's other small groups that are doing that. And there's the youth group that gets together and they go to missions. And the, the young adults ministry gets together. And downstairs right underneath my feet there's kids that are, you know, maybe dancing to music that's loud and they couldn't hear that. And... <clears throat> They're getting together in, in the hopes that Jesus would meet them there and they would grow in their faith and they would grow in their journey and their walk with God. And so community is something that the Bible calls us to. Uh, also, faith. Um, James, and I want to expand a little bit on this. So James 1 um, says... For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so testing of your faith in this correlation is directly connected to having Scripture memorized, having Scripture written on your heart, having the, the Bible and the Word of God imprinted on your heart. So anybody that's been to church, you've probably heard the story of when Jesus was tempted by the devil. And uh, all of the examples there, the, the devil uses scripture out of context and twists it 
to say one thing. And then Jesus responds back and says, oh, yeah, but, you know, the full counsel of God says this. And so you, you're, you're wrong, devil. Get out of here. And then he does it again. Well, I think the Bible says this. And he's like, yeah, but actually the full counsel is kind of this way, so get out of here. And so he does it three times in the temptation of Jesus. And he combats those temptations. He combats those um, issues with Scripture. And so that's, that's really, really important to know that, that our faith, our faith life can be and is uh, directly, can be directly connected to how um, familiar we are with, with the Scripture. Also, we see in 1 John chapter 4, it tells us that God is love. And so, love, uh, it, it says this. It says, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. <clears throat> so, the Bible also teaches us that love is, um, we love because God loved us first. Uh, we love because it is God's command to us as believers to love other people. It doesn't mean we approve of everything that somebody might do, but it does mean that we love them anyway. And so that's, that's extremely, extremely important. And so we got through, we got through the 10 points, and after... After I went through these and was thinking about this, it really, it really brought me to this point where I realized that I fail and am awful at all 10 of them. I think that we all struggle if we ask ourselves, uh, if we really ask ourselves about it and do a, do a real litmus test. We all are pretty, pretty awful at these, I mean, if I if I try to be a the radiance of God or be show God's character, um, whether it's love or presenting hope to somebody, I might be judgmental and uh, a dream crusher to somebody. Um, if I'm supposed to be an imitator of God, and I look at what God did to He went out of His way to care for. Um, the least of these, and then when I'm going into the into the convenience store up here at BP, and there's somebody that's there asking for a couple dollars to fill their to put some gas in their car so they can get to work, and then I'm like, uh, "You got a square? No, I I'm, I'm out. I can't. I ain't got no cash." And so I, I'll walk around that, or I'll try to avoid that, or I'll make sure I go in the right door instead of the left door, so that. Or I'll time it to walk up so that they're asking somebody else for money when I walk up. Like, those are the thoughts that go through my head sometimes when I see stuff like that. And I'm like, that's not being an imitation of God. And then after the fact, I'm thinking about the Good Samaritan and the three people that walked by the man who was almost dead in the ditch. And two people walked by, and then the third person who wasn't supposed to help was the person that helped. And so I'm connected to the Scripture even in my failures I oftentimes don't don't run my next steps through the lens of the scripture. A lot of times, a lot of times I run my next steps through my budget, and that's the only thing I run it through. Can I afford it? Let's do it. 
Can I not afford it? Let's do it anyway. (laughs) And so... It pains me to say to say that, but that sometimes, you know, do I find joy in the law or do I find it, do I wish that I could do X, Y, or Z, but I can't because God says this, that, or the other. And so then I'll be like, oh, dang it, I really wish I could go do that. But then I, I remember, I have to remind myself that God is not the great killjoy in the sky. He... His way is full of more joy than anything I could bring to the table every time. How many times have you, and you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but how many times have you slipped into sin even when you knew it wasn't the right thing to do? How, How many times have you thought, I know this isn't right, but I'll make up for it later with this? I've sought truth from self-help books rather than the Bible. I find my hope in uh, good things. I mean, if we think about this, like Moses, Moses play, one of the things Moses gets in trouble for is that he places his hope and his uh, desire in the things, the gifts that God had given him, and he forgets the giver of the gift. And so... How many times have I placed my hope or my desire into the things that I've been able to do on my own rather than placing it in the one who made it possible? Many, way too many times. How many times, how many times have I skipped out on, on church because <clears throat> I just didn't want to go? <clears throat> Sorry, Mark. Um, but, like, I've woken up in the morning and been like, you know what, I don't... I think I'm probably just going to chill at home today because I my pinky toe hurts. I'm out. Um, that's a true story. I have gout. Don't judge me. The Or, you know, my faith can get tested and I don't have the right answer. Or I can be called to love somebody and even in my attempt to love them, come across as judgmental or just a jerk. The young adults can tell you all about that. I'm, I can want to love you and be, a, be quite a jerk sometimes. Um, and so those are the ways that I personally struggle with those 10 things up there. And we all, we all struggle with those 10 things from time, from time to time. And so... I, I think not only that, it also, there's a really interesting um, tidbit of Scripture that's in, so we talked about the Lord's Prayer last week and week four, and so we're going to, that's still going to be a central piece here, but I want to look at, I want to look at the Lord's Prayer from Luke. But before we get to it, I want to talk about the verse, because it starts in verse two. In, in that chapter, in chapter 11. Verse 1 is the disciples are talking to Jesus, and they, they, say, they say this interesting thing. 
after they've heard the Sermon on the Mount. So they've heard this wildly incredible teaching that's so countercultural, and they're like, wow, and like this guy teaches with authority, and he's done this and this and this and this. And then uh, right before that, the, se- the section right before that is the part where Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house. And Mary is choosing to sit at... Uh, at God's feet, and Martha's like, Martha's working hard. She's trying to keep. She's doing all the things that she needs to do, and she's like, "Tell her, tell her to get up here and help me." And Jesus tells her, "No, she's she's chosen the good portion." And so there's this there's this other thing where Martha's doing things that are good and right, but she's not chosen the best thing. And Mary has chosen the best thing. And so immediately after all this wonderful sermon from on the mount and Mary and Martha and Jesus expanding on, you choose the best thing. The disciples don't, I think this kind of illustrates our deep desire to have connection with God over trying to do the right thing all the time. Uh, it says the the disciples come in and they're they're like Jesus, you've done all these great things, but would you just teach us to pray? Would you just teach us to pray? And and I think I've asked God that uh, many times. Teach me to pray because I want to pray. There's this deep desire to pray in a way that connects us with God, but we don't know how to do it, and so we have to ask. We have to ask, teach us to pray. And the disciples are seeking to emulate Jesus because they've seen him do all this stuff, and they, so they want to emulate Jesus. And parents in the room, if you've got a kid and you've ever experienced your child telling you, Andy told me this the other day in the truck. He said, Daddy, what's your job? And I said, I'm a network engineer. And he said, I want to be a network engineer too. And I said, really? That's, that's all you want to do? And, and he said, yeah. I said, why? And he said, because I want to be just like you, daddy. <laughs> yeah. And any parent, any parent that's experienced their child telling them I want to be like you, um, it's a heartwarming, very heartwarming thing. Uh, Lindsay, when I was telling this story to Lindsay, she was quick to remind me that all Andy really wanted was to be able to work from home, so he didn't have to go anywhere. He just wanted to stay home all the time and uh, not go anywhere. I was like, gee, thanks. Like, I was, I was in the moment there, and yeah. <clears throat> but she was quick to remind me that he just wanted to stay home, which is fine. But if you think about that feeling that you get when your kid wants to emulate you. They say, they say imitation is the highest form of flattery. Um, imagine how much more it fills God's heart when we want to and attempt to imitate Jesus. I imagine that the imitation that we bring to the table falls short so much, but in our attempts to imitate Christ, surely it warms the heart of God. And so I was reminded, uh, my youngest, uh, Oliver, is going into speech. He's got evaluated for speech uh, therapy on Friday. And so he is gonna, he's going to be getting into the system and going through that whole thing. But the, the thing that they told us to work on with him was echoing. 
echoing. So, like you, everybody say, I love Jesus. Oh, yeah, cool. So that's like this idea of echoing is as you're developing language, you're learning how to talk. One of the key pieces to that is echoing. It's when your mom and dad or whoever's working with you is um, saying things and you repeat them back. And anytime you learn a craft, it's a lot of repetition of copying and redoing and redoing what it is that somebody that already knows how to do it ahead of you it's just part of natural language development. And so I think it's really interesting that Jesus gives us a prayer that we can pray, um, which is the, is the Lord's Prayer. And you can throw that one up there. This is the shorter version from Luke. But he, he says, pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, I didn't learn the Luke version. I learned the Matthew version. And I learned it not at church. I learned it because I was part of marching band. And every Friday night we would circle up and we would chant the Lord's Prayer from Matthew as loud as we could for the whole stadium to hear. And I'll tell you what, like 95% of those kids that were in the band, they didn't know Jesus from Steve. They, 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 but they could say the Lord's Prayer by golly. And it was pretty interesting for me after coming to faith in my senior year of high school and seeing this stuff play out um, that the Lord's Prayer and what, how Jesus taught us to pray is very important to our faith journey, and it even impacts people outside of the faith. And so one of the, one of the things that I, I think is really important in, here is that we also approach the Scripture and we approach prayer with a bias. And you have to leave that bias at the door. You cannot approach the scripture with your own bias. And like we, a lot of us approach the Bible through our own worldview. Rather, we should approach our worldview through the lens of the Bible. And so, because we are broken, we cannot hear what God is saying to us in our prayers. We cannot hear what God is saying to us through the Bible. We have to pray for and ask for Christ to give us that understanding through the Holy Spirit as we read and understand the Scripture. And so when you approach your prayers for X, Y, or Z, or you approach um, reading the Bible for A, B, or C, and you've got a preconceived idea of what it is you're looking for, you're going to find it at some level. And so you need to step back from and drop away from your biases or any preconceived idea that you have about the Scripture or about how you want God to answer your prayer and approach it with faith like a child. Approach it asking wholeheartedly and seeking with all of your being. <clears throat> because... Something that you'll find is when you, well, something that I think we all need to hear is that when you're praying or when you're reading, anytime that you find yourself disagreeing with the scripture, you have to assume that you're wrong. 
You can't read the Bible, you can't pray and assume that God is wrong. It's not how we can approach the scripture in a healthy way. So anytime you read or pray and get responses via the scripture, you have to assume that you're wrong. You can't assume that God is wrong. And so so we need to listen hard. We need to listen hard. Um, Elijah was on the mountain and he was listening for uh, listening for God, and he came in an earthquake and a fire and a storm, and but God, God's voice wasn't there. And then finally, the peace came, and it was in a still voice. It was in a low whisper. God's voice came in a low whisper, and so part of being able to hear a whisper is knowing that you have to be in close proximity to hear a whisper. I said, if I whisper without the mic, you can't hear me. So you have to be close to hear the whisper. I want to believe all of these things. I want to desire all of these things. I want to pray better. I want to for my prayer and my life to be saturated with the scripture. But sometimes I, I, can't, I just can't get it. I can't muster the energy. I can't muster the strength to make that happen. And it reminds me of Mark chapter 9. Um, a man's daughter is, is um, dying. And he, he says, if you can, all things are possible. Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And so there's this idea that we want to, we desire to be connected with and in relationship with Christ. But sometimes everything in the world is fighting against us in it. And we get caught up in all of this and it drives this un, undying like connection to I don't know. It's doubt. Is he there? Is he not there? Is he listening to me? Is that just bad pizza? What What is that? Um, and so we get this connection to unbelief that we need to banish from our lives. And so all that to connect back to um, it really connected me back to my brokenness. And I think that maybe if we really take an internal test and litmus test of of our own life, we will be reminded of our own brokenness. We'll be reminded of how far we really are from God. We'll be reminded that the chasm that keeps us separated from God is far too wide for any of us to jump over. Um. Even, I've been watching way too much Toy Story, but even Duke Kaboom couldn't get over that <laughs> long jump. Um, it's, way, it's way too wide. It's way too vast. And only the cross of Jesus Christ can get us there. But that doesn't mean that we don't strive to be imitators of Jesus along the way. And so Psalm 139 is one of my absolute favorite prayers to pray 
when I'm thinking about praying the scripture. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This isn't, this isn't a boast where you're looking at God and you're saying, try me, I'm good, try, test me out, see if it's there, you ain't going to find it. That, that's not what this is saying. It's saying, I know it's there, I know it's there. Even if I can't see it, I know it's there. So get in here, chisel away, search my heart, make it known to me where I'm messed up. And... Help me get it out of my life. Take it away. Show me the right way to go and help me to walk in that direction. It's one of my favorites. My favorites to pray. And so if you if you had the follow-along notes, there's like the one-liner there. This is kind of the idea that really drilled this home for me over the last two weeks as I've been thinking about this and praying this and studying this. Um, with all of the disconnect because of the 2,000-year gap, and Jesus was a historical figure, but I don't know, all the disconnect for the intangible and invisible. Hebrews tells us that uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so... When I really dug in and tried my best to connect the scripture to my prayer life, over the last two weeks, it has really driven home and made made it where um, the invisible became visible because it's right here. <laughs> I'm holding it. I carry it with me. I've got it on my device wherever I go. And so that's the that's kind of the bottom line for today is that praying the scripture and seeing all the stuff that's in it all the things that we've talked about today and however it's connected to your life personally when you connect the scripture to your prayer life praying the scriptures makes the invisible visible it makes the intangible tangible and it really just draws this connection together that I think puts praying the scripture up in a nice little bow-wrapped present right there, and it's ours for the taking. It's ours to open. It's ours to dig into. It's ours to know. And inside is Christ, and that's all we need. That is what we need. So as the band gets ready to come back, let's, uh, let's pray and um, get out of here. Father, thank you for the opportunity to get together this morning and to dig into your word, to look at what the scriptures mean for us. And I ask, Father, that you would give us uh, give us a recall in our brain and our memory that we would be able to connect the things that we've learned over a lifetime of following you that we would be able to connect those scriptures back to our prayer life. And that what might seem hard because of the invisible might become easy because it's been made visible 
The things that are difficult because they seem intangible might be made easy because they are now tangible. Help us connect the scriptures in our prayer life that we might grow more in our relationship to you and that we might love you and love others in a deeper way as a result. It's for your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.